0: Today's episode of the Dragons Y'all Recap Podcast is brought to you by The Two Lives of Sarah from the author of Saving Ruby King comes The Two Lives of Sarah, a story of hope, resilience, and unexpected love as one young mother finds refuge and friendship at a boarding house in Memphis during the 1960s. The Two Lives of Sarah is available wherever books are sold. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Dragons Y'all Recap Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host along with Angelica and Ryan. And the way the show goes, Angelica is our moderator and Ryan and I chime in to give our feedback, our two cents if you will, on each of the scenes that have happened During the episode that just broadcast this evening, we use the hashtag DragonsYALL on Twitter when we live tweet the show, which is also the namesake of our podcast. In this episode, we are excited to dive into the episode titled We Light the Way. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the DragonsYALL Recap Podcast Show. My name is Jamie. I am your host, along with moderator Angelica and host Ryan. I am so glad to be back with you guys. Angelica, Ryan, hey, y'all. Hey. hey. Talk about dragons,
1: dragons. you <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, So, yeah, let, let, let's get into it. This is episode five, We Light the Way, which, by the way, this is a very special episode because... It is written by Charmaine DeGrate, who is a Black woman, all right? Holla at your girl, a self-declared Black girl nerd. So we just want to, you know, give our flowers to Charmaine, who wrote this uh, episode and is also a co-executive producer on House of the Dragon. So just want to throw that out there. You
2: better stop. She better get it. You go, Charmaine. (laughs) Yes. Very woman centric. It is. I mean, I will say it's my favorite episode thus far. So great job, Charmaine. Um. So yeah, shout out to her. Uh. So before we get into this episode, which is titled "We Light the Way." By the way, it is the. Those are the house words for House High Tower. Um. And once we get an episode, you'll realize why this particular title matches um the episode um also if you guys want a breakdown of the three major houses their words their sigil what each character is you know what their plans what their motives are check out my article on black girl It's selfless plug um (laughs) but anyways (laughs) let's i put i put my heart into that article that was a lot of research get your your guy people get your guy
1: figure out about the houses
2: Yes. Um. So yeah, I just wanted to back up to last week. Um. Because I always love talking about the Twitter reactions, and now people kind of took in each episode. Um. There was a great divide on Damon and Renira's almost hookup. <laughs> people. Some people are shipping them hard, and some people are disgusted. Um. So which <laughs> I guess which side of the house do you guys fall on? <laughs> Okay, I don't feel so bad
1: now that it's divided because I felt all kind of creepy last week talking about this Because I was like this is weird like nobody ever wants to talk about uncle and his niece like it's just weird It shouldn't be a thing But it was just something that I because I kept trying to dance around the term I was like because I don't want to say that it's romantic because it it still feels weird But it was just like something about the two of them interacting And it was like somebody that can like, you know, step to you a certain way to kind of match you The energy is the same and you know, I could see her seeing that as attracted uh, like being attracted to that, so I was just like, but yeah it's it's still weird. I always go back to like I have to remember I'm in house of Dragon House of the dragons, so this is the world they're in, but it's very strange to say yeah.
0: it's- gr- <laughs> it's gross um I, I yeah, just straight up it, it it's more than weird to me i there's even though we're in the The Westeros and Game of Thrones, World, um, a Song of Ice and Fire World, all of that. I think it's disgusting, it's gross. I think that, you know, we need to be shipping Rhaenyra and Sir Kristen Cole, who looks way better, by the way. <laughs> Me and my superficial self. I just think that, you know, if we're if we're gonna be shipping anybody, ship the guy that actually cares about Rhaenyra, the guy that actually has some kind of compassion and really hardcore feelings for her. So I don't know. And I, I know we're gonna talk about that more. In this episode, because we see how much uh, Kristen cares for Rhaenyra, but like, yeah, like that. There's an actual potential healthy relationship that we can see in Rhaenyra that doesn't have to deal with someone she's related to, (laughs) and yet Mm -hmm. people want to ship her and her uncle. Gross. I mean. It's a Targaryen way. <laughs> right. like, oh, I, like, it's I, the like, Targaryen it. way.
2: It's the Targaryen <laughs> way, and I'm desensitized. You know, I read V.C. Andrews as a kid. So. Me too. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I don't know. He a little slag horrific. They got a little chemistry. I'm not mad at it. Like if I could like I just keep reminding myself that if I was okay with John and Danny being aunt and nephew. I gotta, I got, you know, I don't, I, I it's just, mm, I'mma just, for, within this universe, I'm okay with incest. That's so terrible. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it doesn't gross me out as much. That's all I'm saying. Um, So, yeah, the Twitter was very divided. Some people were like, I was both turned on and disgusted by that scene. I had all types of weird feelings. So, you know, this show brings out the best and the worst in people, so there's that. Um, Another hot topic was, yes, (laughs) another hot topic was the Restorosi Plan B. Um, (laughs) People were like, how does... (laughs) How does Westeros have <laughs> more, great. you know, reproductive rights than most of the states in our country? Right, like you know, they were saying like the this, this series is pro-choice, so <laughs> I thought that was funny. I don't know what you guys took away from C Plan B. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I
1: was like, is that a plan? Is that like a Plan B pill? He just gave her. I was like, yeah. I, I, I paused that moment for a minute because I was like, what? Like back in the day, but yeah, this it's a trip. Like you compare it to like real life, the time we're in now, and it's just like really. Okay, so they got this in House of Dragons, but this is what we doing? But yeah, so yeah, that's interesting. I like, I like, but you gave us like the facts behind it. Like I didn't know they had did the other stuff before, like you were talking about in like uh, GOT. So that's pretty interesting.
0: I love
2: yeah,
0: the... it. Oh, go ahead, Angela. I'm sorry. Go
2: ahead, Jamie. No, no go ahead, Jamie. I let you finish. No, it.
0: I, I think that that's a great point. I, I love the fact that that's actually being brought up as a conversation. Yeah, that there's actually more progressive <laughs> reproductive rights that are happening in westeros and in westerosi culture than in today's alleged progressive culture and that you know women are being given a choice by drinking tea or not to drink tea when it comes to uh planned pregnancies uh so that that is very interesting that that is being introduced in uh the house of the dragon series (laughs) and Uh, I I like that we're having those kind of conversations, and it's it is sad that there are more reproductive rights from centuries ago than we're seeing today. That's just yeah. wow.
2: Yeah, pretty sad. I mean, I'm in a I'm in a one of the I'm in Delaware, so I'm in one of the good states. But I was just like, that's just sad. Um, but yeah, <laughs> interesting. I mean, I'm I'm sure the the showrunners did not anticipate this discussion because at the time uh, Roe Wade wasn't overturned, but not to get too political, but yeah, it's it's interesting that that's kind of getting brought up from watching a fantasy series. Um, and then um, yeah, and then so this episode, episode five, is actually the last that we'll see, at least for this season, of Millie Alcock and Emily Carey, who play Rainier and Allison They're going to be replaced, aged up about ten years, in the next episode by Emma D'Arcy and Olivia Cook. So for those that are super fans of these two actresses, this is the last you'll see of them for this season. So it's a little sad because we're kinda gotten attached to them, at least to Rainier. I don't I know you guys ain't feeling Allison like that.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's not true.
2: <laughs> I mean, you know, I gotta give us something
1: for this episode. I feel I did feel bad. I will say I did feel bad. Like a little bit. Like a little bit.
0: I like Emily right. Carey. I think she did a damn good job playing this role. I, I think it's <laughs> she's a fantastic actor. And Mm -hmm. I I have very mixed feelings towards Allison as the character. I don't hate Mm -hmm. Allison, so I don't want people to get that twisted. It's just I still think that there's ulterior motives when it comes to her and her pursuits as queen. So we just don't see, you know, Angelica, we don't see eye to eye on that part. But (laughs) yeah, I don't I don't hate Allison at all. No,
2: I just side eye her. That's my thing. Uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Side eye. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, that that is, um, you know, my my little two two cents for for, you know, the last episodes that we've been watching. Um, What were your thoughts on this particular episode when, when you first watched it? What was your thoughts after, you know, it cutting off to credits?
1: Um, I, I, I like this episode. Um, I like how it was kind of um, really showing a lot of people's like even deeper their true colors like how we might see some of these people to turn out and then like I like some of the alliances that are starting to form like the seeds that are going to be planted. It's going to get real tricky so and you finally get to see some characters you've been wondering about so yeah I, I like this ep- it was like a lot of good as Jamie's always saying we're doing a lot of good character development right now. So, you know, I like, I like how these characters are, yeah, I like how these characters are coming out. So this getting ready to get spicy. I like it.
0: Yeah, this is, this is my favorite episode of the season so far. Uh, what do they say? It's the pentum, pentult, Penulti- penultimate, Pen, penultimate. Yeah, I can never say that word. I can never say that word. <laughs> I can always write it though. Um, but yeah, yes. the, that, that, that is what this episode is to me. Um I I feel like a lot of climactic moments are happening with each of the characters in this episode. We're obviously going to dive into it later on, but we're seeing some uh new characters opening up and seeing some revelations happening with them and and it just gets super dramatic. And um I like how the music intertwines with those dramatic moments. Um, to the point where, you know, you're kind of on the edge of your seat a little bit. So it's not like action dramatic. It's more like, like psychological intensity dramatic. And that to me is, in my opinion, kind of the best type of drama when you're watching these fantasy type of shows. So, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's my favorite so far.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. That's it's my favorite episode so far. And when you mentioned the music, I, I listened for the score and I noticed they actually use the reins of Castamere like a variation of it, even though the Lannisters aren't this great house anymore. We as a fandom know the significance of that song. So when that's played in the background, you should expect dread because I think we're all still traumatized from the Red Wedding. <laughs> so they know what they're doing <laughs> when they insert that score. Uh, so, yeah, I was I really enjoyed this episode. I'll probably like rewatch it just for the hell of it, because I, I really loved like the wedding and we'll get into all that. So we open up in the veil vale of Aaron that's um, been talked about all season. You know, Damon's constantly being banished here, but we finally get to see where he's supposed to be. Um, so we see the castle, Runestone, it's the seat of House Royce, which overlooks the sea. Uh, Lady Rhea Royce, who's played by Rachel Redford, rides on horseback. She's on her way back from a hunt. She just, you can tell she's like, you know, Damon calls her a bronze bitch, but I'm gonna call her a badass bitch because she just took down a deer. <laughs> she took down a deer by herself. And so she's on her way back home. She's greeted by her cousin, Gerald, who asks, like, hey, do you want me to ride with you? And she's like, nah, I'd rather ride alone. So she's in route. And she's stopped by a hooded stranger, who she immediately recognizes as her estranged husband, Damon. They greet each other pretty coldly. She asks him why he's returned. You know, you're trying to finally consummate your marriage to me. And she says, like, the sheep are willing, even though I'm not. You know, the sheep might be prettier. Um, so she's insinuating, like, she knows all the horrible things he said about her. It's gotten back to her. Um, And not only does she talk about the sheep, but she also asks, like, what are you going to do now that your brother has finally gotten tired of you and put you to the side in favor of a little girl? Mind you, this whole time, Damon doesn't say a word. You just notice he gets closer and closer to her horse. Um, So she's like, what are you going to do now? Are you going to strike down the child? Or... And as he gets closer, you can kind of see it's dawning on her what he's about to do. So she stops short and she goes to grab her sword and he spooks her horse, which throws her off the horse. She hits her head, and she's just laying there, paralyzed. Damon walks up, steps on her hand, and then he starts to walk west. So you're like, okay, well, I guess he's just going to leave her to die. So then she, I mean, to the end, seems like she's somebody that's going to run her mouth. She calls him a craven. She's like, I knew you couldn't do it. I I know you didn't have the guts. So he picks up a large rock, and we can only conclude what happens from there. <laughs> so... Stop there for that scene in the veil for you guys.
1: Um, this was the first character, um, Lady Rhea Royce, that I wanted more of. This was the, the first character for me. Usually when they, like, you know, like the crab, I, I was done. I was like, I don't want to see any more of that. But this was, like, the first character for me where I was like, because, like you said, she was a badass. I wanted to see that. Anybody that can challenge Damon, because he was given like, like hella crazy starker vibes like walking up to her and you know it's like anybody that can challenge him because he's always got something going on that he's planning um to work in his benefit. So I love how she came like direct and she was like I'm like I'm not dealing with this. I know what you're about. You never hear you I know you want something. What is it? Um and how she was fighting to like the last second and you know, it was just sad. Because I want more of that. Like I don't like anybody that gets him like a hard time. It's always a it's always a good scene.
0: Yeah, I mean uh... This scene was a little... First of all, I loved her. I'm, I'm going to start with the positive <laughs> and then I'll go with the negative. Um, I love Lady Le- Rhea Royce. She was great. She's a badass, just like you guys say. I I, I agree with you, Ryan. I, I really wanted to see more more of her. Um, but the scene felt a little predictable in the fact that I saw her death coming. Like, you could see it... You could read it on Damon's face at the very mm-hmm. beginning. That he had dagger for eyes and... For her, and that he was ready to get rid of her. Um, And I kind of felt sorry for her because even though she had this biting wit and she, you know, really was kind of holding her own, um, I was just like, this girl's gonna die. (laughs) She had some really great, you know um, things to say. And even, you know, talking about the sheep and, and obviously letting him know that she knew the things that were being said about her. But I was like, yeah, Damon has motive here and he plans to get rid of her. And I think that that was pretty much his plan the whole time, even though it, it was sort of kind of written in a way that it seemed as if he didn't have that intention. I don't know. I, I think I think he kind of did have that intention because, you know, he yeah. he leaves and then she calls him a craven and then he comes back and then he kills her. I don't know. I, I, I think the whole time he he was going to he was going to do what he was going to do. And we find mm-hmm. out kind of later on, which we'll break it down, that that's it all sort of kind of comes clear to us why he did what he did. But, yeah, I, I saw it kind of coming a mile away a little bit.
2: Yeah, he was looking like super spooky, hooded. Like it was <laughs> like, yeah, as you like to say, the writing was on the wall. Um, I think he, inten- he intended for it to be an accident, hence why he walked away. Like, oh, let her fall off her horse, hit her head and bleed out. But I guess the when she was like running her mouth, he was like, oh, you want to talk, you know, smack. All right, I'll take care of you. So I think he, it, the intention was to kill her, maybe not with a rock, um, but definitely by her falling off her horse. And in the books um you know all we know is that she died in a hunted accident we don't know exactly what transpired um i'm not even sure if it was alluded that Damon was responsible it's just that she fell off her horse while she was hunting and that was the end of it so we'll leave it there so um otto we next cut to otto he's preparing to return to old town it's raining it's a sad day allison runs out um he's outside the red keep outside of the gates she runs out to see him off she tells him like I don't I didn't wish for this to happen I don't want to see you go and he's like it's the king's decision and she was like what's the decision that I regret and he was like well I don't know how you regret it when you contributed to it by siding with Rhaenyra and Allison is very insistent like Rhaenyra swore to me that she was telling the truth and dad like your sources were wrong and he's like "Eh, I, I, I highly doubt Rhaenyra is this innocent that you and Viserys are, are claiming that she is you guys are refusing to see the truth um so allison's like she never expected any of this to happen but she tells her dad like look if you hadn't been so relentless and your pursuit of planting Aegon as the new heir none of this would have ever happened and otto basically tells her to wake up like Viserys obviously is not in the best health he's not going to grow to be some old man when he dies and if Rhaenyra succeeds him the kingdom will be at war they they're not going to accept her and the only way for Rhaenyra honestly to secure her claim is to put her children to to death and he tells her like prepare Aegon to rule or stay close to Rhaenyra and hope she'll be merciful um Allison cries and he gives her a hug and off he goes um back to old town so I guess I'll stop there for your guys' comments on that exchange. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, I'm ready for Ido to be out, but I did feel bad for Allison because that is her dad. So that was my one time that I was like, oh, okay, Allison, like she kind of, she she pulled on my heartstrings a little bit there because, you know, it's like your dad leaving. That's kind of like was her her security, even though we were side-eyeing him the whole time because we knew he was like, he was trying to work the system. Um, And I think, I don't know, I think Allison goes through a lot of things in this episode that I know we're going to get to where it like takes her up to a whole other level. And I think it's just interesting to see that unfold in in um, in the way um, you know this character is portrayed. So I just I don't know. I found that I will say she was very interesting in this episode. Usually I don't say that because I'd be hating a little bit because I know Allison got some games she running, but I don't know. I, th- I found her very interesting in this episode, like how she kind of unfolds.
2: Gotcha,
0: Jamie. Yeah, I mean Otto is still pulling the strings. He ain't even the hand, but he's still doing it. He's still working as if he is the hand. Um, <laughs> uh, so you know the the seed he he's. He's planting the seed and the seed has now been planted in Allison, And this is going to obviously fester into what we'll see of the more mature Allison as we get into further episodes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I do feel a little bit bad here because she still does want to stay loyal and um, maintain even that friendship with Rhaenyra. Um, but you know the dynamic, that power dynamic has changed, as we've mentioned in previous episodes. Once she became the queen, that that all changed, and now she's got to look out for the realm. She's got to look out for her children, uh, or for Aegon specifically. Um, so she really has to look at that as priority over Rhaenyra. That that friendship, that you know, little. My little girlfriend from the past, like that, that's gone now. Um, So I, I, you know, it's, it's kind of sad, but at the same time, you, you got to look at those priorities, but it's just funny how Otto is still trying to pull those strings, even though he has no power, (laughs) but he does have power over his daughter. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's all he has left and he's still leveraging, leveraging that as much as possible. So, um, man, Otto, man, you, you, you something else, boy.
2: Yep. We're, yeah, but he's not lying. I mean, no, he's, he's not.
0: He's not. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, just the hustle the is real with him.
2: yeah, your kids, your kids are going to get murdered in their sleep. Like, you, it's either you, you, you boss up, or you make make nice with Rainiera and hope that she's nice in return. You know, it's, she's kind of thrown to the wolves. She's on her own now that her dad isn't around. So, mm-hmm. you feel for the girls. So, um, you know, she's in the Godswood. She's kind of mulling over what her dad told her. And she's approached by Mr. Shifty himself, Larry Strong. And I don't know. He's just he's just creepy to me. You know, he's like ah oh, an outsider among the natives. Um, you know, he's comparing Allison to the novellis flower, which is indigenous to Bravos, blooming in the garden in the Godswood. And he says like by all rights it should not dr- thrive here, but it's you know that's the wonder of nature. You know, he's comparing her to this 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 exotic plant. It's surviving and 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 these treacherous lands. Um, and he tells her he's sorry for her dad's departure. He was, he was a good man. Allison says, well, your dad who replaced Otto, he's a good man too. Um, and he even said, goes as far to say he believes Otto's dismissal was an injustice. Allison is like, what do you know about that? And he was like, well, when no one is invited to speak, you know, one learns to observe and he offers up himself as an ally. And and she's, like I don't need any allies I have friends and he's like oh friends like Rhaenyra um you know I don't think your friend is doing too well um and she's like huh he's like you know the day that Otto was dismissed the Grand Maester delivered a tea to Rhaenyra and if the Grand Maester himself is delivering tea it has to be like something really bad um, so Allison starts to piece things together. She knows what M- M- Moon Tea is, right? She knows what that is. Um, so she kind of shakes it off and tells Larry, it's like, oh, well, she must be fine because she went to Drift Mart with the king. And Larry's kind of feigns relief, like, oh, I'm so glad she's not unwell. I'm so glad she's doing okay. Uh so you can see that he's planting seeds and kind of casting doubt with Rhaenyra which to me is, ai am not sure what his motivations are because his father's Hand of the King, right? So what does he gain from aligning himself with Allison and kind of getting Aegon to be placed as heir? Like, I'm not sure what his motives is. Maybe he's like Peter Baelish, he likes chaos. Uh, What are your guys' thoughts on Shifty Larrys?
1: Yeah, I think he's trying to work the system. I don't think we know just yet what he wants to get out of it, but he's one of those, he, you know, he's not in a traditional sense. I guess the guys, what they're seen as a traditional sense, what they're supposed to be doing in this society, you know, because he is injured, he might not, he kind of seems like he sits around, you know, with the ladies a little bit more to get the tea and the gossip and stuff. So he's kind of learned how to, like, I feel like use that to his advantage, however that may be. So he's, like, storing up all this information. He's like, okay, when I see my moment, I can strike or I can kind of lean this way and help this person out. He kind of sees Allison kind of like, I, I think he pinpoints her cause he can kind of tell, even though she's the queen, she's very much isolated right now. There's so much stuff going around her, going on around her that she doesn't have control over. It's gossip over here. You know, Renee is not getting ready to tell you the truth about that girl. You gotta let it go, but it's like stuff over there. So I think he's realizing that he's like, Ooh, I got, I got a little window right here. Like somebody that I can like, I could kind of pick up a little bit of stuff here and I can kind of tell her what I think and see what happens. And so he's going to be one that they're going to have to watch because he's going to have like all the tea, all the gossip that's going on around, um, um, you know, around all all the families, the Targaryens, the Valerians, And I just think he's going to use it to his advantage somehow. He's got a plan somehow.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm trying to sound a little too poetic by saying this and it could be complete BS. But maybe his paralysis is a metaphor for him trying to paralyze the realm in some way like maybe he just wants it to be chaotic like he doesn't have any aspirations of his own he's he doesn't want to have any sort of power dynamic over anyone or anything he just wants to see it all collapse i don't know maybe that's what i'm thinking um i could be wrong but that that yeah, if if that's where George R. R. Martin was going with it, that's where I'm thinking if I was in his head. Um, as far as the first part, and maybe we can credit Charmaine with this. Uh, I love the the metaphor between the uh, blooming indigenous flower to Bravos, and you know, Allison being sort of this outsider to everybody that's around her and how Laris does that metaphorical comparison. Because going back to Fire and Blood, which, by the way, I've not read, but Fire and Blood, from what I understand, and Angelica, feel free to correct me on this, but it was more of like a historical text. And they didn't really go into a lot of dialogue descriptions character descriptions of this story it was just more just like historical you know i think just biography type stuff right
2: yep Uh, events events as told event events as told by maester or the maester collected these stories from like courtiers so yeah it's very much like this is what happened versus people's actual feelings emotions conversations etc
0: Right. So like this conversation that Larry's is having right now is just, I believe is mostly organic from probably the screenwriter. So I just really liked the way that it was delivered. And um, I just thought that that was beautifully said about the flower and it, you know, being different and being an outsider. So just, I just wanted to point that part out. Um, But Larry's is a very interesting character. Um, I love the mystery behind him. We don't really know what team he's playing for. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm kind of here for that. Because sometimes I like characters that just sit in the gray. Um, I mean, a lot of these characters sit in the gray, truth be told. But Larry's is... He's a little different. Like, I can't even compare him to a Game of Thrones character, which you know, you guys, I've been doing that throughout each of these recaps is comparing. I can't even compare him to Peter Baelish. I can't compare him uh, to even Varys. I I can't compare him to any of these other sort of shysty spy-like kind of characters that, you know, play different sides and are sneaky and stuff with their intentions because he's... He's a little different. I mean, he's new. He just kind of showed up in these past two episodes, but yeah, he's he's definitely um, unique.
2: Well, I will say the Peter Baelish comparison comes to mind because you know how Peter was so great at these metaphors and these eloquent conversations with people. And like, you know, he's not looking at the person when he's delivering the speeches and he's telling a story or giving a metaphor that applies to that person. So the way that Larry's delivered the same like speech to Allison kind of reminded me of how Peter acted. Um, But yeah larius is a mystery he's he's a second son so his older brother is harwin strong um and then his dad is lionel strong the current hand of the king so we often see how second sons tend to have their eyes on some kind of prize to kind of um get higher in their standing so who knows maybe aligning himself with the queen uh, with the queen will help him further further along because um, currently he's just kind of the second son of of someone Um, So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Um, So next, we see Viserys on his way to Driftmark. He's really seasick. Um, He throws up overboard. Lionel gives him a handkerchief to kind of clean himself up. On the lower deck, Rainier is with Kristen and they look ahead at the castle of Driftmark back on the shores. Uh, so they finally arrive. Seems like it's somewhat of a long voyage. They finally arrive on land. They're traveling uh, in a wheelhouse. The series is, still looks pretty green and squeamish. Um, and they arrive at Driftmark. They enter the courtyard and they find Laenor and Joffrey Lawnmoth, who's played by Sally McLeod, um, sparring. Um, and Coralise is not there to greet them. Uh, they're received actually by a teenage Lena Velaryon, who's played now by Savannah Stane. Lionel is outraged that Klorus is not present to greet the king. He's like, what's going on? Like, this is how you guys, this is how you Valerians respect the king. And Lena says, you know, my dad just got back from a long journey. He's awaiting for you guys in the Hall of Nine. Um, And I noticed that while this exchange is happening, Rhaenyra is looking at her future husband-to-be, Laenor. They're kind of exchanging looks, like kind of feeling each other out. Um, and Viserys just wants to get over with so he's like I don't care where Corlys is just take me to him so they get to the Hall of Nine the children Lena <laughs> and Rhaenyra are kind of shut out of the hall and Lionel and very, uh, Lionel and uh, Viserys go in to meet with Corlys and I just quick side note so when they went inside the hall I noticed there was like bust with helmets with like skeletons almost like busts with helmets on top. I don't know if they're if they're like the skulls of, you know, former rulers of Driftmark. And then behind them, there's this great mural of all the adventures of the Valorians, uh, Valorians at sea. I don't know if you guys picked up on those little details. Did you notice that within the Great Hall?
1: Yeah, I was kind of wondering. I, I noticed there's a lot of stuff, like, when you get into the Great Hall, and we just appeared going to see... Um, um, you know, the this castle, the way he's built, it. it's like so many little things that catch your eye that I thought was really creative. Um, but I'm glad you pointed that out. I did see that, but I didn't know what to make of it. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, I wasn't sure what that was.
2: Yeah, maybe we'll get like an inside the episode and they talk about it. But I was yeah. wondering whose heads those were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah skulls are sitting there. Um so yeah, so Corlys greets him, greets the king. He actually bends a knee um and he notices like Viserys is coughing up a storm Rainier Rainice, excuse me bursts in and she's like cousin so happy to see you and she grabs his hand and she notices that even though his hands are gloved that he's missing fingers so she's like are you okay and he says like I'm fine so Cordless congratulates Lion on his new posting they kind of start having like little pleasantries um, and he even talks about um, Rhea's death. Like, I'm so sorry to hear about the death of your, you know, your sister-in-law. I heard, you know, i heard Rhea's dead. And Rainey's notes is it was an unfortunate accident. She was thrown from her horse and her neck and skull were crushed. Um, so, you know, foul play is kind of implied um, being that Rhea was known as a skillful rider and hunter and you know Viserys says she was a good wife and then Rhaenys notes like it's such a shame that they had no heirs don't you know, Damon and Rhea had never had any children um and Damon actually stands to inherit Runestone which is you know the seat of House Royce uh so I'll stop there there's more in this scene but we'll stop there for that revelation about you know what Damon has done and what his motivations were
1: um, I just go back to the stairs real quick on the ship he was making me sick like I couldn't wait for that thing to land I was like oh my god like he just looks so he just looks so bad I'm like I feel like he's always like it's just like coughing or something like I don't know what I don't know what kind of poison or what I don't know what's going on but it's just like he, he'd be on the struggle bus sometimes but yes yeah, so I was ready for him to land and I was like yeah here go find Lord cordless yeah he looked like he's better fall over like any moment right I was like you need to sit down yeah I was like no you need to sit down because I just thought at any moment I was like he's getting ready to pass out because he just looked, he was like sweating I was just like oh god it was getting ready to happen here but um yeah um uh Rayness I have to get their name I think it's like so many hours of this she I felt like she was giving a complete read on Damon because I felt like she knew what was going down like she peeped what was happening but nobody was saying anything because Viserys was like yo let's just get this over with like I don't feel good let's just talk about the kids Let's like, get this marriage done but I feel like she was trying to tell the story like she knew, like she already knew what he was doing. So I I thought that was interesting because we don't get many scenes with her, but I feel like when she comes on the scene, it's like, she doesn't really like mix words. She gets to the point. um, And then she, she, you know, she's always trying to help Corliss kind of make his way through things. Cause sometimes his, we all know his, like his, sometimes he can get real like at a high level about what he's feeling and his emotions and everything. And I feel like she kind of puts that in perspective for him and kind of helps him along. I think they make a good partnership, but um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. I just like the way she was kind of reading everybody and she doesn't have to do it. Like, she does it very subtly. Like, she don't have to make a big deal about it. She just kind of stick it in there and then move on.
0: Um, I just find it interesting that the Valerian kids are aging way faster than the Targaryens. But, you know, that's just my little nitpick. <laughs> 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 well, they were much, they
2: were, at least in this, in this show, they were a couple years younger than Rhaenyra. So let's just blame it on P puberty and growth spurt yeah I know Um, I knew I
0: knew that that would probably be the the comeback for that but still I mean there are kids that are like teens that age fast too so but yeah I know for the sake of the show Millie looking the same makes sense but anyway <laughs> valerians are aging faster, um so I think this scene was great i I you know poor Viserys. like you said, Ryan, he is struggling i mean we're we're speculating at this point that he may have grayscale, but this is like more than grayscale, like he's throwing up and missing fingers I mean grayscale, I don't think he'd be having fingers missing and stuff um unless they amputated them, I guess, but um. Yeah, there there there's there's a lot going on with Viserys that I am def definitely concerned about at this point. And um as far as the speculation towards um um Rey, Rhea, Rhea,
2: Rhea, 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 one of those Rhea, Rhea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That goes back to what I was saying before. Damon's intentions and and you know, he is stand to inherit runestone so i i think his intentions all along was to get rid of her and and that has a lot to do with what he stood to inherit and we we know that he didn't like her to begin with so getting rid of her wasn't exactly something that took a lot of effort (laughs) so um so yeah that this this part of the the puzzle is no surprise and I, I guess uh Rainy's probably also saw that writing on the wall too which is why she's throwing that out there
2: yeah and I think we also should, should note the timing like bef- at the beginning of this series Damon was the you know supposed heir to the throne right so he's lost that to Rhaenyra um in doing so he also loses Dragonstone as a potential seat for him so all he has left is Runestone which is actually you know belongs to his wife so by killing his wife and not having children now he gets a fortune because at the end of the day we've talked about second sons a lot with this show he's a second son he doesn't really have much so by taking Rhea's life he gains a beautiful castle and probably a hefty inheritance so um yeah and then and when you commented about series, I did want to bring up this fan theory that's been running around. So they say that whoever sits on the Iron Throne, um, the Iron Throne is kind of like almost like the sorting hat in Harry Potter. It knows who's worthy and who isn't. So it says that an unworthy king gets cut by the throne. And with series, it seems like he gets cut, but then he doesn't heal. So I think it's almost like what happens when you like don't get your tetanus shot like gangrene or something when you constantly get like you know that could lead to the fact that his fingers are coming off or they have to amputate them he's kind of like rotten from the inside because he's not healing from these cuts from the throne which deems him unworthy so that's just a theory I don't I don't really think he has grayscale. gray um but I think he got something <laughs> so We'll get back to, you know, the Corlys-Viserys meeting. Um, so they get to the business at hand. Viserys kind of tells them why he's there. He's proposing a marriage between Lenor and Rhaenyra, you know, noting it's high time their families are united. Obviously, this is going to unite two great Valerian houses. And now Viserys gets to remedy the fact that Valer- the Valerians are constantly overlooked. So they're joining houses um and Corlys is honored but he wants to clarify some some specifics he wants to know about succession so Venerys confirms Rhaenyra will be queen but their firstborn son regard or firstborn child regardless of gender will inherit the throne and then Corlys wants to know about their last names because it's customary for the children to carry their father's name the series is like I know you're not trying to tell me that the Targaryen line is going to die with my you know with my daughter like Okay, so he compromises. He says, okay, the children well will bear their father's name, so they'll be Valarians, but the heir, when they ascend the throne, they will take on the name Targaryen. So Coralys and Rhaen- Rhaenys agree to the terms. I think it's a good compromise, and the match has been made. So I was like, okay, it's finally coming together. The rights are being wronged. Um, so we'll kind of shift over to Rhaenyra and Laner. They're walking along the beach. Um, Rhaenyra admits that if she had to marry anyone, she's glad it's him, and she knows like this marriage isn't what he would choose. But he's like, yeah, but I have nothing against you per se. And then she kind of subtly implies that it's just a matter of taste. You know, she prefers roasted duck, whereas you know he may prefer goose. And he's just like, look, it's not that I didn't want to try to like duck. You know, it's not for any lack of trying, but I just happen to really like goose. So she's like, hi. when we get married, you know, I propose that our tastes aren't going to change. So perhaps we can just perform our marital duties, live life as a married couple, but we get to dine as we see fit. So we're just like, oh oh he's gay all right got it <laughs> i just like the the goose duck comparison um so i'll stop there for you guys on those last two scenes
1: i mean who likes roasted duck and goose like what no but i do. i do like i like the way they were they were kind of mixing it up with the with the metaphor here but i like them i think that's an interesting pairing because i like how they they automatically like just cut the crap and they were like look this this is what it is yeah we got to do this for our families. So, you know, let's just do what we got to do. Let's get the business side of it handled. And, um, cause we know Renera's like, she, we, you know, she makes it clear, like, look, this is, I got to go after this crown and just like how, you know, if she gets there, cause you know, it's, this is the house of dragons, but it's the, um, just how phenomenal it is for her to be on the throne. So I love how she has like these kind of things in place and these people that she can partner with. Like, uh lenore that kind of make it you know easy to kind of work this out and he's like look i'm cool long as i you you understand where i'm coming from so we cool let's get this done and they're not like they don't seem to be like he doesn't seem to be a jerk so you know in the the house of dragons that's a plus she's usually some guys always like talking to her crazy so i like that i like that i thought that was a cool little interesting scene that they they
0: put in yep jamie yeah, no, this was a great scene. Um, the compromise was a decent compromise, I thought. Um, I mean, I, I feel like Targaryen got the better end of the deal, but <laughs> um, I mean, you know, like, okay. Um, but anyways, um, and I, I like the fact that we see that between Rhaenyra and Laenor that they already know mutually, okay. You like who you like. I like who I like. Let's just make this marriage work. So what's really kind of cool about both of these scenes, they act in parallels. Both compromises are happening here. There's compromises happening between the Targaryen family and the Valarians. And then there's this compromise happening between Rhaenyra and Laenor. So I really kind of like the way they these two scenes, you know, sort of act in, in tandem with one another. And that's that's pretty cool. Great writing, Charmaine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, good, good writing. Yeah, I like, I like the pairing of Lenore and Ramira. They seem like they'll be a good team. They, they'll work well together, even if they're not attracted in the least to each other. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Corlys and Rainey's actually are having a discussion after their meeting with Viserys. Um, Rainies is kinda well, actually Corley thinks it's you know, the series must be hella desperate to actually take a ship to Driftmark and beg for Lenor's hand. Um and he kind of like brushes it off and then he asks, like, where is Laynor? And Rainys tells him, you know, he's walking the coast with Rainier, and he's like, Oh, are you know they're getting familiar with each other? And Rainies is like, they're cousins. They grew up together, they are very familiar <laughs> with each other. Um, and then, um, this, this seems like a classic, like, dad misunderstanding his son moment. They start to talk about Leonor's sexuality. They refer to it as his appetites. And Corley thinks that Leonor is young and he's going to grow out of it. But we both, we all know as an audience, like, you don't just grow out of it. You are who you are. So I thought that was interesting how Rainey's is accepting of her son and knows like she kind of knows like Rhaenyra knows he's going to do his duties as a husband but she also knows that he enjoys the company of men whereas Corlys is like oh it's just a phase he'll get over it and he'll grow to love Rainiera. so I was like oh you're a little delusional Corlys. Um, I can stop there since we've, we've that's kind of a big subject
1: yeah, I, I, I like this moment that they had a, a parent that was kind of like, I, I understand. He's not, I, I don't want you to put our son in danger because this is who he is. He's not going to grow out of it. Because I feel like there was a lot of scenes in Game of Thrones where you had characters like that and it wasn't addressed like that. It was like, you just need to go ahead and marry who this person is because, you know, these are the rules. This is how it goes. So do what you got to do. And, you know, everything was like very undercover. If you were going to do that, it was undercover. People weren't supposed to know. So I I, I like that it was like for a little bit. I mean, you know, he's still going to go through, you know, he's still with Renair and everything. But at least it was acknowledged like, hey, this is who my son is. Instead of kind of just kind of brushing over it. So I, I thought that was a was a cool moment for like the fans. And, you know, anytime you got like inclusion and you could put a spotlight on something like that, I think it's important.
0: Jamie, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, we didn't really see any discussion, any conversations about. LGBTQ characters in Game of Thrones. It was just, we saw the act of them engaging Mm -hmm. in um, same sex relationships. You know, we saw Renly and Loris Tyrell. Um, and, and Oberyn, you know, having their little <laughs> rendezvous and stuff like that. Um, but like there weren't actually conversations around it. So like House of the Dragon, this is the first time we're actually having a conversation around it. And I think that that's great. And, and I think it's kind of cool too, that we see a mother that actually is aware of her son's sexuality, and like you said, like, she's obviously accepting of it. Um, I mean, I guess accepting of it in the fact that she's just aware of it and she just knows that this is who he is. Um, and Corliss, on the other hand, thinks that he's going to grow out of it. And you're right, uh, Angelica, like, that's a, that's not reality. That's a very <laughs> ignorant thing to assume. So. Um, you know, reality check Corliss, he ain't gonna grow out of it. (laughs) Um, he likes what he likes. Yeah. Yeah. And this is who he is. Um, so, uh, I, I just think that this is, um, just a, a, a really interesting and really a first for the song and ice and fire universe for us to see a conversation around, um, sexuality. And I, I, I don't think we've actually seen that before in the um in this in this universe so yeah
2: yeah yep both uh Rhaenyra and Rhaenys are progressive queens (laughs) on this show um but you know don't get it twisted she is still concerned about her son um she does feel like him marrying Rhaenyra is going to put him in danger um because she knows that you know, being someone that was already overlooked for being a woman, she knows that a woman as a queen, as a ruler of the kingdoms, is not going to go over well. And Corlys is kind of like, well, who's going to come against us? You know, our houses uniting with the power of of all of our ships and our dragons, like anyone that opposes us is going to be crushed. And she wonders like, to what end? Like, how much war are you going to wage? Who's going to be affected by this? Who are you going to hurt in the process? So she's kind of you know, this kind of tells me that Rainey's actually should have been queen the whole time because she really sees the big picture and she sees the consequences and she knows like the proper steps to take. versus this series is a little bit more passive. So once again, you know, patriarchy, damn you, um, <laughs> not not putting the right people in place. Um. So later we see Lenor you know, resting up against the dunes with his goose. I mean, his lover, <laughs> Joffrey, not not to be confused with that little, little punk <laughs> from Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, this is this is. I mean, he's kind of a jerk, but not why do everybody have as... the same names on this? Show? I
1: didn't even realize the name was Joffrey. Man, that's messed up. I didn't realize it was his name.
2: Cause I was so yep. busy just listening to like the dialogue. I need to pay attention to it. Yep, Joffrey, Joffrey Longmouth. Um, so Joffrey, um, always feared the day that Leonora would wed a woman. Um, but he's kind of happy that Rainier has kind of given him the freedom to do as he wishes. So it's like, oh, this isn't half bad. You marry a woman, but you still get to be with me. And he's also excited about the prospect of being at court, you know, with feasts and tourneys and battles, and you know. Laenor is like, I have to do my duties, but you're over here making jokes. Um, so, you know, they have a little little kissy kiss. And, you know, Joffrey is like, yeah, this is a good arrangement. Uh, this is way more than what I could have hoped or, for. You know, you have a paramour and I know she has a paramour. And he wonders who, who, who this paramour is. So Joffrey's a little messy. He's trying to get up in Rhaenyra's business. So we'll see how that ends up. <laughs> Um, so yeah, on the ship back home, so they, leave, they're leaving Driftmark, you know, the deal has been made, Leonor and Rhaenyra are gonna get married, so she's on the ship, and, um, Kristen wants to speak with her, and he admits Laenar is a good man, but he's not the man that Rhaenyra chose, so he offers up himself, so you guys get your wish, he offers up himself as her future hubby, They that they're gonna run away together to Essos and marry for love and not the crown, but Rhaenyra reluctantly turns him down and she's saying like I am the crown or at least I'll be the crown one day and I have to perform my duties um it's her duty to marry a man from a great house and later going to be a good husband but that doesn't mean that her and Kristen can't still do their thing and Kristen's like so you just want me to be your whore he's like I broke my vows for you and I I thought that marrying you would restore my honor but I guess that's not the case and she kind of still is insisting on, you know, taking the path that she wants to take to the throne and hopefully he'll be at her side and he's not having it. And he just dips, he storms off. Um, so I'll stop there. I'm sure you guys is, you know, dreams are crushed that Rainier <laughs> turned down Kristen. I mean, yeah, just cause he just good to
1: look at, but I kind of saw it coming cause I was just like, yeah, sir. She ain't feeling you like that. Cause you can kind of like Rainier, she, um, I don't I mean, I don't want to say she was playing him, but I guess she was. But I just kind of feel like she was just like, you know how Jamie keeps pointing out, like, why are you not with this guy? He's cute. That's I think that's what she was. doing. I think it was just like he was there and he's cute. And it's like they've been having like this little flirting in the woods and everything. And so she just, you know, but at the same time, it was just like, well, look at look at the way. He, like he broke his he broke his vows. You could tell he's just like devastated and hurt. And it's just like, and you like, you wanting to say, but you know how Raniere is. She's like, yo, I'm not about to give up my, my position. I'm the heir, my crown for this. So it's like, she's not the type to like, I feel like look Junior out at the guys. Like, well, I'm going to give all this up for you is the, is the vibes I was getting. So I felt bad for him. Yeah. I'm sad.
0: I mean, cause he's real cute. So it was sad. Hey Jamie. (laughs) Yeah, that that moment where he said, am I your whore? I was, like, crushed. I was like, oh. <laughs> No. You can be my whore. <laughs> I know that's right. For real. Um, be my whore any day. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, Kristen. Oh, boy. Yeah, it was... It was rough. I mean, we did kind of see this coming. Like, this isn't a relationship that was going to be long-term. I don't think she was using him. I think that she was infatuated with him. I think that he opened up. He was like a sexual awakening for her. um, Because she did have that moment where, you know, she just got really aroused. And, you know, he was just there at the right time. So I don't think she was using him, but also, you know, the reality is she, she is a princess and, and, and he is, you know, her, her night servant. And that's not really a reality for her to be in a situation where they just run off and get married. I mean, they could, but um uh, i don't think that that's something that was the plan at least for for her so i i understand her i understand her decision i personally it's not a decision i would make i i wouldn't want to be hooking up with my cousin or my excuse me with my <laughs> uncle um uh i'd rather be or her, her
2: cousin or her cousin yeah or her
0: cousin yeah her two-year-old cousin um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I I would much rather you know uh, go and marry uh, Kristen instead. But yeah, it's it's a sad thing. And as far as Joffrey is concerned, he's just messy to me. There's just something about him. <laughs> he's just he, he's just one of those people that just wants to get into everybody's business. And I'm like, dude, just keep to yourself and. Be do your little thing with Lanor on the side, and keep that private, and stop getting into everybody's business. Cause you just want to be messy, and and there's too much messiness going on in this world right now, or in this little uh universe, this ecosystem that we're dealing with, for you to be getting into everybody's business. So that's all I gotta say.
2: Yeah, Joffrey, messy boots, little messy little queen. So. <laughs> we'll see how that works out for him so um so allison um she's watching from her terrace as and company returns you can tell he's really weak from this trip and he collapses in the courtyard um so not looking too good for our boy of a series uh so kristen enters the red keep and he's summoned to allison's chambers so she voices her concerns uh, about Rainier and the night that Damon returned. And she speaks about these rumors of her, you know, not being so innocent. And, you know, she wonders being that Kristen is her sworn protector if he knows anything about what happened. And Kristen, uh, believing the rumor to be about him and Rainier, not her and Damon, he actually admits to it. He's like, the sin you speak of, the, spin, the sin you're alluding to, I did it. I was like oh you sweet sweet summer child what's wrong with you um and he he asked her for mercy he's like look instead of torturing me I know my punishment torturing me you know extending my life just just give me a quick death um and Allison starts to piece it together like oh my gosh Rhaenyra lied to me she was lying by mission. no she did not have sex with Damon but she certainly had sex with Christian So, you know, she decides to tell Christian about Damon and just says, like, it's okay, Thank you for your honesty. You're free to go. So he leaves with his life and his job. So (laughs) good for Christian. Um, So I'll stop there because I feel like that was a pretty important scene. So something shift with Allison as far as her allegiance to Rhaenyra.
1: I like how Allison is like basically wearing a shirt like tell me your secrets right now because everybody's just like showing up to her and just revealing like things and she's she's kind of like pulling for it, but not really it's kind of just falling into her lap so I thought that was interesting um this this whole episode but I, I like I wonder if like the like the this Targaryen family is like so or like things that were going on here was so messy that you like and they were tired of people getting away with stuff so they like tightening reins in Game of Thrones because I feel like you had some of the stuff going on right now that people you would end up seeing somebody like I don't know beheaded or something like just something ultra dramatic because they like you know mixed up relationships was over here when they supposed to be married was doing this and doing that and like nobody would ever admit to it but they always get caught and then you would end up seeing them dead like the next episode or something and I feel like they get a little bit more you know it's a little more leeway like he's just coming and confessing like hey I did this I think you should kill me but she's like no I, I see something else here I just need this information and then let some go. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I just thought it, it feels like it looks a little looser than it is in Game of Thrones world.
2: There's no high sparrow. So, you know. Right. Like everybody <laughs> just keeps
1: walking. Right. It just feels like you could just admit it and just keep moving. Keep it pushing.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is a calculated move on her part. She that's you know, she chooses to forgive him because I feel like now she has another ally. But uh, mm-hmm, Jamie, mm-hmm. your 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 thoughts on that? situation
0: um i mean i i think this scene is the scene where allison is kind of through with rhaenyra at this point yeah she's she's done um and the the nail in the coffin i think otto i remember back when i said he planted the seed so this is where the seed begins to take root grow and yeah, it takes root and it grows, and um, and then the nail is in the coffin at this point. So yeah, I I think that um, you know, we'll we'll see what's going to happen further as far as how Kristen's relationship with Allison plays further into this. But I do feel sorry for Kristen in this moment because he's <laughs> like, just kill me. I'm like, no. no. <laughs> What are you You're talking cute. about? You're too key- Yeah, he's like, don't torture me. Just kill me. I was like, no. What are you talking about, dude? Um, Why Why do you have to be so... He's filled with so much, like... I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. He's words. too
2: honorable. Yeah. He's, honorable.
0: he's so honorable. Like, dude, just... It's okay. Like, you, you made a mistake. I mean, you don't <laughs> need to die for it. Jeez Louise. So... Yeah. Yeah, that that that's all I have to say to a, that whole scene.
2: <laughs> he was reminding me of Jon Snow, like honorable to a fault. Like you're doing too much. Relax. Relax. <laughs> uh good time. So, um you know, Viserys is in his chamber at this point and he's looked after by the Grand Maester. He's not looking good, he's feverish, he's sweating, he's weak. Um, we see at this point his arm is exposed uh, up until now he's been wearing long sleeves he's been wearing gloves so we don't really get to see the full extent of the damage to his body. That thing just looks all types of infected like I wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot pole. Um, so the Grand Macer is going to leech him they offer him milk with a poppy to kind of ease his pain. And you also see, like, you see the two fingers he lost. Like, it's it's a lot going on. So the grandmaster excuses himself, and he's left alone with Lionel. And he asks um, for the queen, and Lionel is like, you know, she's occupied with other matters. AKA, she up there somewhere with Kristen Cole. So Viserys then starts to wonder if he's going to be remembered as a good king. You know, what What are they going to say about him in the histories? He's never conquered anything. He's never suffered suffered any great losses. Like, he's kind of been pretty even keel. And Lionel assures him that, that that just means he has good fortune. Um, and Viserys is like, yeah, but that's not the thing that the songs are written about and lionel tells him like he's carried on jaharius's legacy he's kept the peace like that's something to to be counted for and then vaserius says something pretty interesting he says like i kind of wish i had been tested um i feel like you know you put me in this crucible you test me maybe i would have been forged into a different man like a better king and lionel tells them like many who have been tested wish that they had been spared so, I thought that was interesting how he's kind of questioning what, if, if people think he's a good king and whether or not he's doing a good job. What are your guys' thoughts on that?
1: Um, I just appreciate Lionel in this scene because we all know, we like Viserys, he just, we were excited when he made like one decision. And so it was interesting for him to kind of be like, well, what have I really done as a king? Like, what is it, you know, when it's interesting, when well, you have to start thinking about legacy and, and what it's going to mean when you're gone so i thought that was an interesting scene for him to have that like come to jesus moment like man maybe i need to start doing some stuff and like what am i really representing so i don't know i think that was like a deep a deep moment for him and going back to like him like looking at his arm and the Grand Masters. i think the Grand Masters need their like their own little spin-off somewhere because i'm curious about what kind of little medicines and stuff they got like they always pop up and it's like they like whispering around you like oh we should try this or what if they get this it's like it's like a little sneaky so you don't know like what they coming up with or what they gonna bring into the room. I always find it like interesting when they have to treat somebody. It's like, well, what? Cause they can kind of get away with some things cause you don't really know like, you know, all of it's like environmental experimentate. Like they're trying different stuff on you. So you like, well, is this supposed to be right? Could they be sneaking something in? I don't know. I always find it like curious when they get into like a scene and somebody needs their help about what they're gonna prescribe. <laughs> okay.
2: grandmaster ERs type of deal. I see you. <laughs>
1: I'm just, I'm saying like, they mad sneaky when they come into the scene. I don't know if anybody else is picking this up, but they could give you like, mix a little bit of something there. Like when they brought Renera the plan B, they were like, well, you know, I had to get it just right. You know, I had to get it just right when I finally gave it to you. I don't know. Something sneaky. I'm just saying.
2: Okay. Plan <laughs> B, I don't get that vibe per se, but you know, Grandmaster Maester Paisel from Game of Thrones is a little sneaky, but all the other, yeah. Yeah, but all the other maesters know, we were, were pretty good. You know, lewin Master Eamon, they were all good guys. So I don't know. I think you're giving the grand maesters or maesters a bad rap, but well, I'll, I'll stop yeah, I'll there. So.
0: I am still scarred by the Paisal scene where he had his pants down. I'm just saying that scene to this day. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah um, I saw that little shadow. That was, yeah, erase, erase, erase. Um, so this scene, you know, Viserys, you a little late, bruh. Uh, The fact that you're asking these questions, like you should have asked these questions back in episode two, maybe even episode one. Um, I mean, I'm curious to know what brought this on. What made you decide to question your own validity as a king? Is it the debilitating disease that you're suffering from right now? Is it the fact that you see that Queen Allison is, you know, handling matters upstairs right now, and and there's things that she's doing and making power plays um, on your behalf. I don't know what what what's leading you to ask these kinds of questions. Is it the fact that Corliss refused to meet with you <laughs> um, when you were over at Driftmark? I, I'm just I'm curious to know what what makes him want to know this all of the sudden now, five episodes in. Um, But as far as, will he be remembered as a good king? um, No, I don't think so. I I just don't, he's a a king that is not respected and he's a king that uh, does not know how to make a decision. And he's a king that uh, unfortunately, Uh, looks to other people for advice and when he does get advice sometimes it's not the best um to the point where now he does have another hand where we'll see how things go with lionel so far i like lionel so he's in good hands Um, but you know, Lionel's got a son that's a little shysty, so we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Um, so, uh, we'll, it's kind of like the auto thing in reverse, right? (laughs) So we'll, we'll see how that plays out, but yeah, I'm, I'm just curious what, what brought all of this on all of a sudden? So, I don't know.
2: Could be his mor- his mortal coil, you know, the fact that his daughter's about to get married, soon to be heir. I think a lot of things are going on at once. Um, and I, I would say as far as him being a, a good ruler or not, he's kind of like reminds me of Gerald Ford, like the president. Like he wasn't the best president, but he wasn't the worst. He was just kind of like a good guy, didn't make the best decisions in the world, but kind of I would say he's, he's kept the peace. Like I feel like the small folk don't have an issue with the way that Viserys is ruling you know there's no you know outside of the Stepstones which was kind of uh Daemon's and and uh, Corlys's own personal war there really hasn't been a lot of issues in King's Landing and the Seven Kingdoms like everything's pretty much at peace so you know is is he a bad guy because I, I, we're kind of like flies in the walls and seeing like all the ins and outs of court but, you know, I think to the average everyday person, they're doing just fine. <laughs> so, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see how what Viserys' legacy will be at the end of this series. Um, So the valarians and I love this scene. The valarians are on their way to King's Landing. They got their great fleet, which kind of reminded me a lot of when um, Daenerys left Essos, was on her way to Westeros. Like it was just this big. Great epic scene. And then we have the two dragons. We actually finally get to see Rhaenys's, uh dragon, Melis, and she's known as the Red Queen. She's this big giant red dragon. She's supposedly like the fastest dragon alive. And then Laenor of course, is on the back of Sea Smoke. So they, they just look like bosses on their way to King's Landing. Um, and we cut to like this great feast. Sir Harold announces the start of the wedding celebrations um, as the royal court and their guests enter the Great Hall for this great feast jason lannister still a little saucy he wasn't chosen um pays his respects uh to ray mira and the king seated at the high table as well as rhea's cousin gerald um the series offers his condolences and gerald notes his cousin was a unique character and will never see her kind again um, and then, you know, while they're having this conversation, even Rainier is offering her condolences and saying like, whatever we can do for House Royce, I'm there. And then the Valarians make their grand entrance. Like, I feel like Jay-Z should have been playing or something as like all those... Black girl, black boy, joy, black girl, magic. They all just strutting in with their, you know, their melanin and their silver hair. I was like, yes. They they just like walk in, <laughs> and they command the room. They enter, and you know, Sir Harold announces them and says like, "Lenore, future king consort." The you know the guests erupt into cheers and. Lenor bows before the king and greets Rainier with a kiss on the hand. Kristen's looking kind of salty in the corner. Um, <laughs> so Lenor, Lena, Vayman, Corley's, Rainies, the whole Valerian crew, you know, they jump up at the high table, take a seat with the king and Rainier and Lionel's there too. Um, and, you know, seems like a good time. And then Damon enters unannounced. And I love this moment because Damon was not invited. But he still manages to go up to the high table and, you know, motions for a servant to get him a chair. (laughs) Like he gets like the extra seat at the table. I was like. Right. Yeah, I just thought that was funny how he wasn't invited, but he still got a seat at the table. It's just so Damon of him. Um. So yeah, I, I'll pause there for y'all y'all's thoughts because this the rest of these scenes is all, basically this feast and there's so much going on. So I'll stop there for the Valerian grand entrance and maybe if y'all want to talk about Jason Lannister being salty,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Any Valerian entrance, I'm here for. Yeah, they they looked amazing. Yeah, yeah that was great. Um, and uh, Lenore and Renair, I think they look good. I was like, we know what's getting. I was like, y'all look good together. They cousins, but they still look good. But yeah, I, like I say, any Valerian entrance, I agree with Angelica, happened like keep it coming. I want them to enter like every scene cuz it looked amazing when they came in. Um and then any um I think Len- uh, Lenore and Rhaenyra, they look good together, they cousins, so it's still weird, but they look good together. Um so you know, we got a it's a it was a calm before the storm. So I think everything uh was uh, pretty cool there. Jason Lannister, I just love I know he's going to be like a hot mess when he enters. So I think I'm just at this point. I love it because it's just funny um, to see how like what kind of jokes and stuff he's gonna make. And I like how ranera and uh, Viserys kind of give each other a look, like, oh god, I'm glad he gone. Like I, I like how they kind of side eye, give each other a little look when he when he comes through. But he is he is a hot mess. Like we we can see about his family. But yeah, every time he comes on the scene, you know he's gonna try to crack some kind of like inappropriate joke or it's gonna last too long. And you like, sir, please get
0: off the stage. But yeah, so I thought that was funny.
2: All right,
0: uh, Jamie. Um, so I love this scene. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Jason Lannister, he's, he's going to be a character throughout this whole entire series. Um, I, I love seeing all of the Black Valerians together. Any scenes with them all together as a group, I'm here for it. I can't wait to see more of it. Um, the scene with Damon, <sighs> Matt Smith is just killing this role. I feel like he's just having so much fun. He just seems like he's just having way too much fun playing a jerk, and I love every single bit of it. So it's it's going to be um, interesting to see how the rest of this unfolds. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm loving the way the scene is already getting started, and Kristen just needs to just calm down, like. <laughs> The grit on his face, the look on his face. I'm like, bruh, I know you're upset. I know you're in your feelings right now, but you need to look a little less obvious that you're upset about your girl marrying off another man. Just make it a little less obvious, cause you know you're. It's clear that you're not happy about this wedding happening right now. Yeah, he
2: he he was definitely looking very John Snowish. Just all brooding and sad in the corner, like just cheer up, Buttercup, you'll be all right. Um <laughs> so yeah, I enjoyed that scene. Um and it just it kind of keeps going. The party keeps ramping up. The series begins to make a speech when Alison, who was kind of absent for most of this, enters, she's dressed in Hightower Green, the colors of House Hightower, as opposed to the, her usual Targaryen red and black. And Sir Harwin notes how the king will not be happy with her interrupting the speech. And then Larry says, um, do you know the beacon at Old Town? The flame turns green when the high Hightower's call their banners. So and then we also see as she passes in this beautiful green gown, we see also her family members seated at another table and they're also wearing green. So I'm just like, oh, is she, you know, surreptitiously calling the banners? We, we don't know. And we know something's up because when she joins them at the table, she coldly congratulates congratulates Rhaenyra on her impending nuptials, and then she sits down. So Viserys resumes a speech, and he kind of needs help finding his place. He's like, "Where was I?" And Lionel was like, "The joining of the two houses." So he he hopes that joining the two great Valyrian houses will usher in a second age of dragons, and then he announces seven days of tournaments and feasting to be concluded with this grand royal wedding. Um, So it's all it's all good times. Everybody's loving the moment. Um, And so Lena and Rhaenyra, they share their their dance. Everyone's watching them. There's some playful banter between the two. And this banter ends up being foreshadowing. Um, She says she's never been much of a dancer and he compares dancing to battle. And she's like, well, I hope that's you know, that's not the outcome here. So Kristen Christians watching Rhaenyra, and she's watching him, and the whole time Joffrey's messy behind is watching them both, <laughs> and he's starting to put things together. Alicent leaves the high table, and she's greeted by her uncle Holbert, and he had mentioned like I fear he feared that her light will be dimmed now that her father's gone, but he's happy to see it's shining brightly. And then he says to her, and once again this is not looking well. He tells her that old town stands behind her so we're just like ooh sides are starting to be made here and then meanwhile so a lot a lot of lot lots and lots of things are happening during this scene like we see a bunch of different characters interacting because of this feast so gerald ends up confronting damon about Rhea's death and he basically accuses him of killing her Damon pretty much disarms him by noting he wants to collect his inheritance because, you know, he doesn't have any kids with Rhea, so Runestone belongs to him. So after the wedding, he's personally going to fly out to the Vale, to the Erie, and petition, you know, for his land to Lady Jane Aaron, And Gerald isn't having it, and he leaves. He's pretty shooken up by this because I think he's realizing, like, oh, that's Damon's motive in killing my cousin. So all this is happening, and then Damon happens to peep Lena all grown up from across the table and she leads to dance and Damon joins her and, and she's saying like oh you're almost as pretty as your brother and she's like haha I'm flattered they start to flirt she offers up her condolences for the death of his wife and she even says like you're such a great catch you're a Targaryen prince you're a dashing knight you're a dragon rider he's single maybe she can help him out with that like you know some some things are going um so there's still a lot going on so i'm gonna stop there before i start to go on in the next few scenes so what did you guys think of those various interactions
1: man it's just so much in the scene you don't know where to look you like you feeling one thing about one character and it goes into another character um but i guess i'll go i guess i'll go back to the beginning i guess i'll start with renera and uh allison's entrance the entrances uh in this episode by the way were on point if Allison ever had an interest, it'll be that moment right there, where, you know, she came in with the dress, Viserys, he over there looking already sick, like, he don't know, like, what's happening, and, you know, he's all, he's kind of, you can see that, like, look on his face, where he's like, okay, now, what is she really doing, what is really going on right now, and so, yeah, I like, I like her slow walk down in the green, and Rhaenyra, to me, this was the point, Jamie, Jamie does make a good point, like, you see it throughout the episode, where you, or other moments, where you can kind of tell their friendship is done, But to me, like that look over she did when she looked over to Allison and um, you know, both of them kind of like Allison kind of making eye contact, but not that to me was like the moment there where it was like you can you can like clearly tell two opposite sides, you know, when objective, Allison's objective, you know, especially when you get to see her walk over to the table with the high towers and you get to see her talk to her uncle. It's just like some clear divides going on here that I thought were really played out and, like, slowly, slowly revealed, but, um, yeah, this was just, I I just love the, I love this moment um, for this show, where these characters, like, had to be, like, it's, like, how many scenes do you have where everybody's, like, all the major players are in one room, and they're, kind of, bouncing off one another, Um, you know, Damon and his hot mess of it all, you know, his, um, you know, getting confronted about um, his wife and, and, you know, him interacting um, with Lena, which I thought was like, that threw me off a little bit. But then I like, I love the, the, the flirting was interesting when they were down there on the, on the, um, on the floor. So I think that'll be something to, to look out for. That'll be interesting. But yeah, I just, it was just, it was, I love this because it was just so much to look at. You don't know like what alliance you're rooting for yet. Who was like, who's good at, who's like all the way good or bad. Lots of gray, as Jamie always puts it. So yeah, I
0: like this scene. Jamie? Yeah, so this was if if it wasn't obvious before, it's obvious now that Allison is done with Ranera <laughs> and mm-hmm. um maybe even done with the Targaryens um in a sense. I mean, the the mm-hmm. high tower green was pretty much it. I thought it was interesting just seeing Viserys' reaction to it. I would have thought that he would have been a little bit more defiant and 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 her wearing that cuz to me, that's almost a sign of disrespect, but I don't know. He's like a freaking, like a welcome mat. Like he just, he just <laughs> seems like you could just walk all over him and he just, you you can just get away with it. So um, yeah, that, that was, that was pretty much it. Allison has made her stance known and that is how she feels and going back to Matt Smith again, man, this dude is having so much fun being an a hole. I love it. <laughs> um, I mean, it's that was a great scene, by the way. That exchange between him and um, Ria's cousin, I just thought that that was just like so funny. I mean, it it was sad, <laughs> but it was it was it was a very interesting and, and funny scene to to watch um, because. Dame is, is just that dude, he's just a prick. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, like he he knew exactly what he was doing, and and then the guy, Ho, what was his name? Holbert? No, no, not Holbert. Holbert.
2: Uh, Gerald, 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 Gerald Royce,
0: yeah. yeah, Gerald Royce. You know, he's like clueless about the inheritance part. He's like, huh, <laughs> and okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, all right. So, like, the fact that he was even clueless about that aspect of. Their relationship and that he's st- standing to inherit all of RuneStone. It's like, bruh, I, I, you know, I got this. Um, so yeah, and great scenes, yes. incredible. Yes. And yes.
2: there's more to come. And I don't know, I mean, I know Christian is a cutie pie, but I don't know, Damon and his swagger, like, he could get it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm weirdly very attracted to him and his, he's just chaos and, but he's also very, like, uh, what's the word? Like he's also very thoughtful, and he kind of th- thinks a couple steps ahead. I don't know. He's just all over the place, and I kind of like it. Like he does something to me. Anyways, um, so,
1: <laughs> so Joffrey. I'm see that's what Renee is saying. I'm just saying. Yes, I'm I, just pointing it out. I, I mean, I'm telling you that's what she's saying. If Damon
2: was my uncle, I don't know if I would have those weird feelings. But who knows? If I was a Targaryen, maybe I don't know. Anyways
1: yeah i'm talking about a, yeah in, in house of dragons okay. where you don't really have rules
2: apparently okay, yes well as a viewer um i don't i never really found matt Smith uh that swaggy but mm, as as damon i'm kind of feeling him he's, he's doing something to me anyways so messy joffrey tells lenor that he knows who reynera's paramour is it's christian And now they both know each other's secrets. And then he takes it a step further because Leonor is like, shh, keep your mouth shut. Like, be quiet. Why? Lower your voice. Like, he's. Joffrey is just such a messy queen and he decides to go ahead and introduce himself to Christian and he taunts him about Lenor and Rhaenyra being this good match. And then he was just like, I love Lenor, and I know you love Rhaenyra and I think we both should look after them and guard their secrets. And in return, we will be safe. And then he walks off and Christian isn't very happy about this exchange and he grips his sword. Like you can tell he wants to stab Joffrey in the face. Um. Uh, <laughs> So while all this is happening, Rainier dances with Sir Harwin, and then Damon ends up cutting in, and they start speaking in their High Valerie And he asks her, um, "You know, is this what you really want?" And this whole time, Viserys is watching. He, you know, he's not a big fan of Damon and Rainier being together, so he's like eating like kind of furiously and nervously. Uh, so Damon um, and notes that Lainor is a good man. Um, but he knows that she's going to get bored with him. Like he's going to, he's going to have you bored senseless within days. And Rainier reminds him that marriage is a political arrangement, right? And Damon's was like, well, my political arrangement has recently been dissolved. So she tells him like, okay, well then take me. I'm, I'm not wed yet. The hour is near. You're armed. I know you could take out my king's guard easily. Take me to Dragonstone and make me your wife. Like she's taunting him. And she he grabs her by the throat, like kind of playfully. And Viserys sees this and he starts to get pissed off at this point. Like he's paying attention. So while all this is happening, there's screams. Suddenly there's screams. And the crowd surges. And I don't know if you've ever been in a crowd surge, but it's not fun. <laughs> you get moved all the way over. So we see Christian that's on top of Joffrey and he's beating his face in and Laenor tries to stop him and he gets shoved off. And I guess he ends up getting punched in the face. He's all beat up. Kristen is just going in on Joffrey's face at this point, chaos is broken out. series orders Sir Harwin to escort Renery to safety, so he finds her, throws her on his shoulder. I mean, they call him Breakbones; he's a strong man. He takes her out, and then series' nose starts to start starts to bleed. So it's a lot of stress happening right now, and Christian's still going to town on Joffrey's face, and uh, what's little that's left of it. Like you know, he's lying motionless on the ground with his face caved in. Like I I haven't seen this much grotesqueness since Oberon's head got smushed so uh, Christian was clearly taking out a lot of anger on this poor man's face um so he ends up just walking away the whole crowd is shocked by this entire scene Laenor who's like a few yards away underneath a table with his like lip busted open sees Joffrey and Joffrey's like wearing the ring that I guess he gifted him and he goes over to his body and he's just weeping just crying I mean uh, I would be upset, too, if my lover was, you know, I guess demolished, like <laughs> like a meat mincer. Um, so Christian is obviously feeling very guilty about what's happened between breaking his vows, the situation with Rhaenyra, murdering Joffrey. He prepares to end his life like samurai style. He like takes his sword, starts to stab himself. He's at the gods, but like, you know, among the gods ready to meet his maker And before he can finish, Allison stops him. So I feel like at this point, they're about to be like some type of partnership between them. Not only has she forgiven him for his actions, but she also pretty much saved his life. So there's that. And the very next scene, we see Viserys is not playing no more games. He's not wasting any more time. Rhaenyra and Lainar are wed immediately after this disastrous feast. They seal their union with a kiss series ends up fainting the camera pans back and we see the rat drinking from the puddle of blood most likely uh Joffrey's blood uh on the floor so it just I don't know what for, that foreshadows I don't know what that means but we all know Westerosi weddings never go off well so <laughs> that's the end of the episode so I'll, I'll stop there for your guys' final thoughts
1: I'm just glad it was another red wedding. When I heard the screams, I was like, "Don't do it!" I was like, "Do not do it." But it it was like it was you know when you messy like Joffrey. I mean, I hate it for him because I felt bad that you know Lenora had uh, uh had to go through that moment. You know, it's sad. It's somebody that you love. But it was at the same time he was just egging it on like all all the episode, trying to like you know figure out what the what he can you know what Rhaenyra who she who was um she had on the side I guess and. And what, um, you know, I guess kind of ha- want to have some leverage or something, but it was just like if you're in that position, just just, you know, coast along. So because that's what happens. I mean, he he stepped um, to Kristen and you can see like Chris is already in his feelings. He's already in like the worst breakup mode ever and just still like just 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 sitting in the corner, just soaking. And it's like, was that really the time for you to go up and talk to him? So, yeah, that was that that scene was rough. But I was like, you saw him. They were kind of like planting the seeds throughout the episode where you saw Joffrey being a little bit too messy. It was like you were getting away with it and you and you pushed a little bit too far. And yeah, I mean, I agree with getting this wedding done because uh, like Angelica said, you know how weddings go down. So they had to go ahead and get this done because they were like, yeah, we don't need any more of this. And the icing on the cake was there was a rat. At the, I was like, it was a rat for me. I was like, it's a rat when it's like the rat at the end, it's just like drinking the blood. I was like, yeah. That only only House of Dragons is like that. So yeah. So yeah, that was good. That was a good fade to black moment right
0: there. <laughs> Jamie? Um, I just really like the um back and forth with the music and the scenes. Like, okay, let me let me see if I can articulate this well. So there was like these pulsating moments where you see the beat of the drum and then you see them mm-hmm. dancing around and the wedding and then you see the the beating of Joffrey's face to the ground and like <laughs> all of these different scenes beat by beat and it like as the scene is cutting from one shot to the next and then you hear mm-hmm. the sound of the drum and you hear the sound of the violin like the way they all just sort of um are in symphony to each other it's just so beautifully edited and well done and it just added to the intensity of this moment that I really enjoyed this scene and it had me on the edge of my seat during really honestly this whole entire wedding feast scene to be honest this yeah. this was just a small part of it but the whole wedding feast scene was just, just brilliantly orchestrated in terms of direction, writing, producing, all of that so just kudos to the team that put this whole thing together. Um, As far as this final scene goes, I mean, it was just, uh, wow, on so many levels. I mean, Joffrey kind of had it coming. (laughs) I mean, that's what happens when you get messy. I mean, dude, you could have prevented that. Like, if you just kept to yourself and just minded your business, you wouldn't have gotten, you know, your face basically uh, bashed in by, by... by Kristen, and Kristen was in his feelings, like, the, this was not the moment to, to piss him off, and that's what exactly you did, so, um, and then Kristen, I, I'm like, dude, why, why are you, like, first of all, he's honorable in saying that he wanted to die, and then and you're really gonna try to kill yourself over Ranira? Really? Okay, um, but I'm, I'm glad that Allison stopped him, and I agree with you, Angelica, I feel like, There is going to be some sort of alliance, um, some sort of uh, new power dynamic relationship between him and Allison. Since, yes, now that she has forgiven him and now also saving his life, that's going to shift uh, the relationship that they now have um, as a result of this moment. And um, as far as the... The last scene with the the blood and the rat. I don't know exactly what that means, but maybe it's a metaphor for like blood sucking and <laughs> sucking the life out of <laughs> out of you know um, I don't know of what is to come. Um, but there there it could mean something of like sucking the life out of something and, and, and blood sucking so that's that's what I'm thinking um, but yeah I'm, I am curious to know what, what exactly does that mean
2: yeah like the, the the realm is going to bleed and then the scavengers of this are going to benefit like I feel like Larry's is a rat so he's going to benefit from all this chaos like it has to mean something but I, it, I mean it was very poetic <laughs> the way it was shot yeah and I mean I know Yeah, and I know we mentioned Charmaine, but I also wanted to point out that um, there is actually a woman director for this episode for this one and the one before. So um, Claire Kilner directed We Light the Way, and she also directed um, last week's episode, which was, uh, what was it, The um, King of the Narrow Sea. So this was probably, like I said, my favorite episode so far between the writing, the way it was shot, the party and the way the party went left like it's just I was thoroughly entertained the entire time so and like I said so we actually say goodbye to Millie and to Emily they're not going to be you know all around for the rest of the season they're going to be replaced by older actresses so I, they had a good run I really enjoyed their performances so yeah it was it, good times <laughs> their watch has ended their watch has ended
0: <laughs> oh well we bid you guys you? goodbye and um we bid you guys goodbye that are listening and we enjoyed live tweeting with you we'll see you next week of course use the hashtag on twitter dragons y'all and uh thanks for tuning in and listening to us and we will see you next time
1: bye, bye.